0: Well, good morning. So, in the last couple of weeks, um, we've been looking at this um, majestic, mystical union that Christ has invited us into with both He and His Father. And we've been looking at how it is that in this, He desires our oneness with Him in the same way that He and His Father are one. And He desires that the same Love that they have for each other would be in us, and we've looked at how that love is so much different than the way we would normally think of love in the world. In fact, it's the opposite. Uh, the love that we're familiar with often is that idea that I love the ob- I want to I, I have an affection for the object of my love because of what it does beneficially for me. Whereas God's love is thinking about how he could benefit the object of his love, um, pretty much a reverse of the way we think of love. And uh, we, we saw, we've we seen in the last couple of weeks of how Christ wanted to invite us into this love so that we might be made complete, might be made perfect, that we would be uh, made better, in fact, perfected, uh, made whole in this um, kind of extroverted love that looks out and wants to be a blessing to others. Uh, and uh, so uh, he calls this uh, kind of revival the difference between being dead in our sins and alive in him. And so uh, I wanted to just ask the question this morning, what is the difference between being dead and alive? Um, for example, are cut flowers still alive? What is the difference between, what is the borderline between death and life? What is the physical borderline? What is the spiritual borderline? And are we dead or are we alive or are we somewhere in between? What, what is our condition? What does it mean to have been made alive in Christ? What exactly does that mean? And how can we tell the difference of whether we are living or dead? Now you know, physically speaking, um, you can tell something's dead because of what it doesn't move. It's hard to really define what life is. Uh, It's much easier to define or to explain or describe the qualities of something that's living. You know, it's hard to it's hard. Okay, let me just ask you the question this way: What is the difference? Uh, what, what happens to somebody at the moment of death? W- where does life go and what exactly is life? It's, it's kind of hard to describe what that is. It's much easier to say the person's heart stopped and their brains brain activity isn't uh, active anymore and they don't have any more blood pressure. We can describe the qualities of death much easier than we can describe or define the exact nature of life itself. And the same is true, spiritually speaking, that it's easier to describe the absence of spiritual vital signs, or the presence of spiritual vital signs, than it is to actually define what it means to be spiritually alive. Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17, it says, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature. And in John um, 15, John talks about this uh, relationship between being a vine and a branch. And he talks about the vitality that it occurs when the vine is part of the branch um, and how it becomes fruitful. And he describes the lack of vitality when it gets cut off from um, the branch. What does the nature of new life in Christ really entail? Uh, well, uh, like I said, it's easier to describe the vital signs of a spiritual life in Christ than it is to actually define life itself, and those vital signs in, in many ways parallel the this, the physical vital signs of being physically alive. What happens to a body the moment what we call life leaves it at the moment? that whatever life is, leaves the body, all of a sudden there's just this explosion of uh, unrestrained, destructive bacteria that starts breaking down the body. Now, those bacteria have always been there, but they've been kept at bay by, by, by whatever is alive, by whatever keeps a, a body animated. There's constant protection and, and flushing and, and restriction of the destructive forces of these destructive bacteria that would destroy a body. But at the point of death, those forces that would protect a body are immediately gone, and the body all, all of a sudden quickly starts to decline and fall apart and become uh, 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 subject to the harmful effects of, of decay. The vital signs of life in Christ uh, are similar that there's, there's this benefit that occurs when we're alive in Christ. It, it's a benefit that keeps us out of uh, deadness and sin and corruption, uh, and vanities of life. And that's what we're going to be looking at today as we continue in our series entitled, um, I want to be where you are, a series designed to increase our desire and our passion for Christ. And we're going to be looking at the good that we do when we are made alive in Christ. We're going to be looking at the relationship between good deeds, our good works, and being alive in Christ. The life in Christ, um, from God's point of view, is evident. We know that God is alive in the sense that everything he touches is benefited by his proximity. We saw last week, we concluded last week, with... uh, the the passage in in Genesis where it says everything he made was very good. He looked at it and it was good. It was very good. Everything that God is in proximity, God, the source of all life, the fountain of all life, the, the one in whom all life proceeds out of, his life is made evident by the fact that everything that he touches is improved by his presence. And uh, in a sense, that's the vital signs of being alive in Christ, that, that if we're alive in Christ, we're going to have a good effect on those that we're in proximity to. Well, how about us? Uh, do we uh, do things in a way that benefit others? Uh, you know, how? what what do we do? What are our good works? What are the actions that we uh, can demonstrate that show that there's life in us? Um, Telling us about our own spiritual vitality. Are we alive and well? Is the question. Um, Today we're going to be looking at that question by uh, examining Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the message today is entitled Vital Signs. And it's going to be looking at um, the relationship between good works and um, our being alive in Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and, and uh, clearly we know, and even this passage teaches, that we aren't saved by our good works, uh, and our good works can't save us, our good works can't make us better, uh, and yet there is a place in uh, the, the sequence of you developing us in you where good works become evident to uh, about something. It becomes evident of the vitality of what we have in you. And we just pray, Lord, as we look at this relationship, that we would um, be anxious to 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 look into our soul and see what is alive and feed what is alive in Christ, that we might uh, grow in strength and might as we are in communion with you and that our love might be uh, your love. In Christ's name, we ask that you bless the reading of your word this morning. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By the, by grace you have been saved and raised up, With him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this passage starts out with the Apostle Paul speaking to the Ephesians, telling them, you guys were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and the proof of your death, was that uh the was the way you lived the way you lived in disobedience to what was good you were cut off from what was good and you opposed what was good and you followed after um, the power of the prince of the air this you followed after this world uh and you followed your own fallen desires instead of uh, god's goodness but By God's great love, unwilling to leave us in this deadened, degraded condition, because it is the very nature of God to love even those who are opposed to him, he sent his son to die for our sins. He he acted on our behalf to raise us up uh, from this spiritual uh, dead condition. And he did this because that's the nature of the way he is to fix what is broken, to straighten what is crooked, to uh, exonerate the guilty, to uh, bring life to the dead. That's the nature of God, to touch uh, what is broken and to fix it. Now we've been invited into this divine communion as we've been looking at the last couple of weeks by means of the path of God's love through the cross and through his resurrection. We travel the same path that Christ traveled through the mortification of our old nature and the bringing alive of our new nature in Christ through our own um, crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, And when God's hand touches us, uh, He washes our dirty feet. He cleanses us. He makes us clean and He uh, heals our deadly diseases and our deadly desires are stilled and our loving desires to benefit others are revived. We know that we're alive in Christ when we want to do good. When we have a desire to do what helps other people, there's a vital sign in us that we're alive in Christ. When our desires change from wanting to exploit other people for our benefit to wanting to be a blessing to other people for their benefit, We know that we have been made alive in Christ. What part do good works uh, play in our salvation? What exactly is the relationship to uh, our salvation and our good works, our doing good things that benefit other people? Well, the theme this morning is this. We are not saved by, but we are saved unto. We're not saved by, but unto good works. Let's take a look at verses 4 through 10 again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He, has, which he uh, loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are saved not by our good works, but we are saved unto our good works. Um, what does it exactly mean to be saved? You know, I think oftentimes we as Christians have a uh, limited view of what exactly salvation means. It, it, if you think that salvation means Uh, just being taken out of the peril of your own guilt and sin, that's true. To be saved from anything means to be relieved from the consequence, the horrible or destructive consequence of whatever condition you're in that you're being saved from. And uh, as Christians, we all know that salvation is that we're being saved from the consequences of our own rebellion against God uh, and putting us in the condition of God's wrath, and we're being saved from the justice that was due us uh, in the criminal violations that we've committed against his law, consequent in being under his wrath and righteous judgment. But if that's all that comes to mind when you think about salvation, then you have a pathetically small view of salvation. We are not only saved from the consequences of our sinful desires and actions, we are also saved from our dark and sinful natures. And given birth into a brand new nature, a nature with new desires. And when we enter into God's love, we come out changed. When we have uh, it, salvation involves our transformation as a result of being one with Christ and one with the Father. And in that communion, our, our natures are changed. We're being fixed from the inside out. We're not just being relieved of the punishment of our sins. We're being saved from the power of sin, and we're being renewed and being created anew. We're being made new creatures. Salvation involves this change of becoming new. Uh, It's just not uh, a relief from the penalty of our selfish old nature. It's a transformation into something new. Uh, a transformation that becomes evident in the, our desire to benefit other people. The closer we become to God's nature, the further we get from our fallen nature, and the happier we are. Um, the You know, if we try to become good by doing good, we will fail. If we try to become good by doing what's good, we will fail. But... The progression of our salvation starts with our becoming good in Christ, and if we become good in Christ, it's going to be a natural thing for our natural disposition to want to do good. Salvation is being made alive in Christ. It's being made alive with Christ. It's being made alive out of the divine union that we have, and in that divine union we're saved. We're saved and we're being progressively made new, and this change It does not occur by our doing good works, but once it does occur, uh, good works are the result of it. It occurs by putting our faith in Christ Jesus. That's what what causes our salvation, to want to be led by him, to want to be with him, to want to be where he is. But even though we aren't changed by our good works, when we are changed, the change becomes evident by our good works. If the nature of God's love uh, changes us from what we were to what we are becoming, from what we used to want to what we now want, then the evidence of that change will um, uh, be expressed in our actions based on different desires. We will see in that change that our actions will be in accord with love, God's love, wanting to be a benefit to other people. If we try to become good by doing good, we will be frustrated. If you think you can become good by doing good, you'll be frustrated. But if you think that you are good and you don't do good, you're in a delusion. When God saves us, he brings us into his love, which starts repairing us and reviving us. When we uh, enter into a dependent relationship with him, uh, he progressively changes us, in my case, more slowly than my wife would like, probably. (laughs) But we are in this progression, this change that is occurring, uh, and it really occurs at the speed of our own submission to Christ. The evidence of our new life, our being made alive in Christ, is seen increasingly by our desire to bless others. Those are our vital signs. That's not what makes us alive, but that shows what we, that we are alive. You know, You can't make a person physically alive once they're dead by trying to get their vital signs going again. But if they are alive, their vital signs will be going. And that's the relationship of good works to our life in Christ. If we are alive in Christ, the love of Christ, the desire to improve others that we touch will be in us, resulting in our actions being beneficial to those, or at least intended to be beneficial to those who are around us. Um, Again, we are not saved by, but unto good works. And point number one is, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good. Let's take a look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One way of looking at salvation is that when we are saved, we are saved from ourselves. We are saved from the futile effects of uh, trying to transform ourselves into something better, and we're saved into God's workmanship where salvation is being taken is is where we're where we're taken out of our own hands and we're put into God's hands, where God becomes the one that does the work in us. Uh, look, we have all kinds of ways in which we think that we can better ourselves, and uh, um, it, it we may improve a little here or there, but it is it is so pathetically inferior to being in God's hands. Uh, look, this salvation that we're experiencing is the reversal of the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve decided to take themselves out of God's care and determine for themselves what is right and wrong. It was a it was a decision That's exactly the opposite of salvation. The decision to say, I don't need your guidance, God. I don't need your care. I don't need your direction. I can direct myself. I can become my own moral determiner is what Adam and Eve did. And that's what killed them. They died that day spiritually. They died immediately spiritually uh, when, when they decided to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, as God warned them that they would. And our salvation is the exact reverse of that. The second Adam came, Christ Jesus, and showed us the exact opposite pattern when he said, I want to do what my father does and I want to say what my father says. It's a total reversal of that attitude of total submission to God and his ways. And when we do that, um, we... Are in his workshop and he is, and we're becoming his, 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 uh, you know, he's working on us by his design. Now, think about it this way. Supposing you had a, a, um, prideful five year old kid that said, you asked the kid, the little boy, you know, you said, okay, son, uh, you have a choice. You can build your own house or you can have a, professional builder build a house for you, which would you prefer? And the little five-year-old says, I want to build my own house. And so he comes up with something like this, a stick lean-to. The deal is, though, when you give him the choice, the choice includes the um, certainty that whoever builds the house, he's going to have to live in it. And it might be fun on a warm day to live in that little stick lean-to that the five-year-old built, but when it gets cold uh, and you have to live in that house, uh, it's not so good. And it's cold out there, my friends, and it's getting colder. Uh, it seems like with every passing day, the hinges are coming off of our culture and our, and our world, and it's much better to be living in the house that the master builder builds than the house that we build for ourselves. It's our choice. We can be in God's hands in communion with him, invited into his uh, unity with him through Christ, uh, or we can be in our own hands, fashioning ourselves in accordance to our own will. If we choose God's hands, we are God's workmanship, And the purpose of his workmanship in us is for us to be like him, benefiting whatever we touch, doing good works. We don't lose our individuality when we're in God's workmanship. He makes us each different and compatible with one another so that we together can benefit each other. Each of us is designed into the body of Christ to be different kinds of workers in harmony with each other. God prepares for each of us a job description. And each one of us has a job that he has prepared for us to do ahead of time. He crafts each one of us with a different way of benefiting the whole body. The hands have a certain benefit. The feet have a certain benefit. The ears have a certain benefit. The tongue has a certain benefit. Every part of the body is designed to benefit the whole body. Uh, If the tongue thinks to itself, I don't need to be part of a body. I can do all the speaking I want on my own separate from the body. So I'm not going to rely on my ears. I'm not going to rely on my heart. I'm not going to rely on my feet or my hands. Uh, Apply that to the very popular notion today that you don't need to be part of a group. God, ahead of time, has suited each of us to do what it is he's designed for us to do. What are, the God, what are the good works that God has designed for each of us to do, to be a blessing in? One of the most important enduring theme- themes of the Bible is that we are blessed to be a blessing, that God blesses us so that we, in turn, will bless those that we're in proximity to. Again, we are not saved by, but unto good works. And point number one is, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good. Let's take a look at verse 10 again. Uh, oh, and the second, the second, uh, verse, uh, the second point rather is, we should do the good that God has prepared for us to do. We should do the good that God has prepared for us to do is the second point. And again, looking at verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. That is not in the mood of certainty. That's in the subjunctive mood. That means it's a possibility that we won't walk in them. And it's a possibility that we will walk in them. There's no certainty here. God has created a good work for us to do. And the question is, will we choose to do the good work that God has created us to do? Um, Will we do them? Will we walk in them? We saw in verse 2, the evidence of a person being dead in their sin is evidenced by what they walk in, that they walk in the ways of the world. And that's evidence of being dead and cut off from the life of God. Uh, That they follow after the empty Vain ways of life. Uh, And so the question is, you know, what are we walking in? Any direction uh, that we take, you know, uh, this is a map of somewhere, but it doesn't really matter where, just look at the roads on there. Any decision you make to travel on any road in any direction is a decision not to travel on all uh, all the other ways. Whenever we decide to go one way, we decide not to go a multitude of other ways. You can't go everywhere at once. In fact, you can't go two ways at once. So if we decide to walk in the work that God has uh, laid out for us to do, we have to, at the same time, decide not to do uh, the vain and empty things of this life. The road of God's love uh, has prepared for us work to do that has a good impact on uh, those around us. And the question is, how can we do what brings blessing to others? How can we travel on a road that uh, brings blessing to others? Or we might ask the secondary question, how can I exploit others to get what I want? Those are really our two questions on which road to travel. How can I be a blessing to others or how can I exploit others? Um, You can't go both both ways at the same time. The work God has prepared for us to do ahead of time, ahead of our salvation, before he even saved us, he he had in mind what he wanted us to do. Um, Before he's prepared this work, before we even have a time to choose whether we're going to do it or not, um, we know that this choice lays before us. And, And let me just ask you this question. Uh, In terms of what men all desire, peace, glory, and honor, whether they're pursuing it through the world or through God, has anyone ever found joy by exploiting other people? Even if they're successful. Have the people who are very successful at getting other people to do what they want all the time happy? Are they uh, joyful? Has anyone ever... fail to experience joy uh, when they've successfully been a blessing to somebody else. Here's the question I'd like to ask you. Is it better to be alive or dead? What do you think? Alive or dead? Alive. Well, let's live. Let's live in the author of life who gives us life and let's live in him by agreeing with him, coming into accord with him, and wanting to be used by him to be a blessing to the world. Corinthians, uh, Colossians rather, chapter 3, tells us, uh, well, let me just put this in practical terms. Uh, This is a decision we have to make every day. Uh, We have to wake up every day and decide, which way am I going today? Which road am I going to take? Jesus says, tells us you know, that we are to die to ourselves daily and come alive to him. Uh, we have this choice every day. Um, we could, I could have chosen uh, a thousand times in the last thousand days to live for Christ and tomorrow I have to make the choice again. Or I could have chosen a thousand times in the last thousand days to live for myself and to reject Christ, but tomorrow I have another day and I could make a choice for life tomorrow. And uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3 sets out some rules for holy living, for making the right choice. And it starts out by saying that we should set our mind on things above, not on things below. And then it goes on to say that we should take off, like taking off an old dirty pair of clothes, we should take off our old nature and put on our new nature in Christ. Heck, you get dressed every day, right? Uh, And you choose what clothes you're going to put on every day. And we choose which nature to live in every day. We choose whether to look up or look down. We choose whether to wear the old clothes or put on our new clothes. Whether to wear uh, the attitude of Christ's love towards the world wanting to be a, a blessing or putting on our old clothes of trying to figure out how to get people to serve us. Which is better, being uh, dead or alive? Uh, We are not saved by, but unto good works is our theme this morning. Point number one is, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good. And point number two is, we should do the good God has prepared for us to do. I'd like to uh, conclude this morning with a decision that uh, Moses made when he was facing the decision between what should I do? Should I live in the Pharaoh's house enjoying the p- power and the privilege and all that, the pleasures of, of being at the top of the world, or should I hang out with my Hebrew brothers and, and suffer? What should I do? What should I do? Well, this is what uh, Hebrews says. It says, by faith, by faith, when he was full grown, when he was grown up, refu- by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why did he do that? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So he had this scale. There's the wealth of Egypt. That's pretty heavy on the scale, wouldn't you say? But he he considered the reproach of Christ, being associated with Christ, being associated with his people, as of a greater treasure than the treasure of Egypt. Why? Because he was he could see the whole picture. He, he, he was looking ahead to his reward. Uh, notice what it says in our reading today. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I don't know. Uh, it, it's a grace that can't be measured and it and and if you can't measure you could probably measure the universe if you had a long enough ruler but the grace of god cannot be measured the blessings of god cannot be measured and that's what's in store for us that's what is on our side of the scale as we decide in this uh world that is perishing what we should do should we pursue the Um, perishing benefits of this world or should we seek to live in communion with Christ with the prospect of joy now and immeasurable blessing forever? What do you think? Let's pray. Lord, um, Lord, the only one that could be happy about being dead is somebody who's dead and doesn't know what life is like. It is not a superior thing to be dead in our sin than to be alive in Christ. And we just pray that uh, this week as we go out into, um, our, uh, into our jobs and into, into the world that we would just in the morning think, uh, am I going to put on my old nature or my new nature? Am I going to look at this day as an opportunity to be a blessing to other people in the love of God? Or am I going to look at today as an opportunity to get other people to do what I want? Lord, help us live in the love that you have for us, and may the love that you have for us be expressed through us to a world who's hungry for 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 life. May we be life givers, Lord, and. Um, point the way to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Ultimate Outcomes Sermon Podcast. Ultimate Outcomes is a nonprofit organization founded on the biblical principle that knowing and applying God's truth makes a difference in the quality and destiny of our lives. It is our prayer that this podcast and its resources bless you and your churches as much as it has blessed all of us who have learned from the biblical teachings of Richard Elwell. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit www.ultimateoutcomes.org.